The Forum at 8 on SAFM. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we're asking you, will the revised broad-based Black Economic Empowerment Codes address the fundamental socio-economic imbalances in South Africa? It's been a decade since the promulgation of the Empowerment Act in South Africa. Has it worked? Has it addressed the needs of the country? And there was a summit, the Broad-Based Black Economic Summit, which ended on Friday. It signified the celebration of the decade of the Empowerment Strategy since the Act was promulgated in 2003. And, of course, the Act is trying to redress some of the problems that were caused by apartheid. It aims to give people access to productive resources, increasing skills, growing the economy by increasing income. Now, the summit celebrated, uh, of course, the elements of the codes that provide a framework for the implementation of BEE policy and legislation. They've been reduced critically from five, uh, rather to five, from seven, and uh, will be published later this week. There had been a number of complaints ever since the issuing of the amended BEE codes of good practice for public comment, prompting its revision now. So we're asking you on the forum at 8 this morning, will the revised broad-based black economic empowerment codes address the fundamental socioeconomic imbalances in the country? You can give us a call on 0891-104-208. Send us your SMSs right now, 34701, 34701, or email us at amlive at safm.co.za. Joining me in our Parliament studio is Minister Rob Davies at the uh, Minister, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks. Good morning and good morning to listeners. Also joining me on the line, Professor Ben Turok, economics professor and uh, ANC member of parliament. Professor Turok, good morning. Good morning. And uh, to speak to you, of course, we've got a, a controversial economist. I, I was reading what he wants to say to us. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. He's a, a researcher as well at the Alternative Information and Development Center in Cape Town. Dick Forzelins, good morning. Good morning to all. Good morning to you. I'm interested in hearing what you have to say about this because uh, you've got uh, some interesting acronyms that you want to bring to us. Uh, broad-based black economic empowerment, uh, not uh, not enough for you. You want uh, some more acronyms to, to bog us down in this discussion. So we're going to speak to you shortly on this. But Minister Davies, I'd like to start with you. Tell us why we, we decided to revise the codes of good practice. Well, uh, we uh, had... Uh, the last institution established at the start of this administration which was the uh, Presidential Advisory Council and uh, we looked at this critically what has been achieved, what has not been achieved and uh, also uh, some issues of alignment with uh, some of the other policies so uh, one of the priorities for us was industrial policy but also enterprise development and I think we basically concluded that uh, we'd had uh, too much passive shareholding deals and uh, too little uh, real uh, creation of opportunities for people to become effective economic actors, either in big companies through the deals that are typically passed as BE deals or uh, through the relationships between big and small companies uh, in uh, enterprise development and supplier development. So that was the background to it. Mm. And uh, we've introduced uh, some legislative changes. Some of them are contained in the uh, amendment bill, which has gone through the National Assembly, is now in front of the National Council of Provinces. Those are dealing with things like fronting, uh, where we've seen uh, that there's uh, quite a lot of complex fronting going on. Uh, and uh, this is, of course, an offence under the common law uh, of uh, fraud. 
But uh, actually, it's been quite difficult to achieve prosecutions. There have been prosecutions, and prosecutions may not necessarily be the only route, so we are establishing a commissioner to deal with those matters. We're regulating the verification industry. We're requiring reporting by entities in the, of the state. Uh, <clears throat> and those, those uh, plus a, a couple of more things have been dealt with in the bill. And then in the codes, we're trying to say, well, there are some priority I- uh, areas. Uh, they include uh, supplier development. They include skills development. But also, while we do that, we can't say that you can just not uh, do any ownership, uh, uh, although we've tried to tighten up the ownership requirements as well. And we're saying that if you don't get uh, sub-minimum points in those areas, we will take you down one place uh, in your overall scorecard. So we're trying to to get uh, a performance across the scorecard. And we've done a few other things in the codes, which are like uh, saying that small businesses, black-owned businesses that are beneficiaries of supply development no longer will have to or no longer can be required to be to go and pay money to get a verification certificate which can cost 30 to 40,000 rand uh, if you are 100% black owned you will automatically be recognized as level 1 51% plus you will be recognized as level 2 and uh, uh, people will have to take an affidavit and if they think you're lying they'll go to the commissioner so we've uh, cut down the red tape and the costs uh, for small business uh, that are involved in these uh, relationships those are some of the things we've done that's quite a bit uh, let, let's start with the scorecards mm. issue because I think that's the one that, that led to quite a bit of uh, concern from businesses uh, in anticipation of, of these revised codes being launched. Uh, a number of companies saying that uh, the revised codes would, would lead to their companies uh, facing a, a number of downgrades, uh, notches, uh, be, their notches uh, getting revised one or two grades down. And uh, has that, uh, have you seen that happening? Well, what we've uh, said is we've said that uh, if uh, this is just a tick box exercise and we now ask you to tick the boxes in different ways and you end up exactly where you were, what's the point? Uh, this must be uh, an incentive to change behavior, to change behavior to support uh, broad-based uh, empowerment. And so <coughs> we make no uh, apologies for the fact that uh, there, are, there is a different architecture in place. But we did uh, respond to the, the calls that uh, there would be uh, fairly drastic uh, cuts. Uh, we responded to it by saying instead of going down two places, you only go down one place, and we're giving it a year's transition. So uh, we're trying to encourage companies to change behavior, not to throw up their hands and uh, say they can't do it any longer. So that's uh, the way we've uh, responded to that. And on the forum today this morning, we're asking, will the revised broad-based black economic empowerment codes address the fundamental socioeconomic imbalances? SMS us at 34701. Email right now, amlive at safm.co.za. And we'll open up the lines, 0891104208. Interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Uh, professor Turok, uh, an economics professor, do you look at this with a different eye? Well, I first want to say that I think Minister Davis is doing a fantastic job and the DTI are trying very, very hard to do uh, some important work. I think that he deserves all the credit we can give him. But to go back to your question, having heard what he said about the bill and the process, will it address fundamental distortions? And the answer is not really. Uh, uh, the, The structure of the economy is so skewed that uh, some of these measures, which are very welcome, will not really address the fundamental questions. And I think it would be unfair to, uh, to say that it should. So 
will it address the fundamental distortions? Well, it'll go some way in relieving pressures and encouraging new enterprise, but the fundamental issues remain fundamental. I think that uh, the emphasis should be on enterprise development. And what strikes me as one who travels in the rest of Africa a great deal, we the, the, the national symbol of our townships is the spaza shop. And the national symbol of countries like Kenya, Ghana, and Nigeria is the small enterprise, which sells and makes and repairs all kinds of household goods and other stuff. So we, when it comes to enterprise development as opposed to the spaza shop, uh, we really need to do a great deal more. You know, it seems to me that the, the, the government's vision which is that BE should not be solely about the redistribution of existing wealth, but it should be promoting growth and development, and that's enterprise development. And so I would like to see, frankly, a great deal more encouragement and incentives for the creation of small enterprises, including in our townships, so that we don't have a national symbol of a spaza shop selling cigarettes and sweets, but uh, little enterprises which are making things, repairing things, where people are using skills and not just selling. So I think we've still got a hell of a lot to do with enterprise development as opposed to, to, to uh, you know, rulemaking about how um, codes should be implemented. I also would like to say, and I'm sure that Minister Davis will agree with me, that the creation of the codes has been a long, long process and rather costly. It has spawned a whole industry of accountants and lawyers who learn their living by advising enterprises on how mm. to interpret the codes. Now, that's a cost on the economy. And I wonder whether we couldn't try and ensure that the, count, the sort of spending that goes on with monitoring the codes wouldn't be better placed in promoting actual enterprises on the ground. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I haven't got the answer. But um, really, the this code thing has created a whole culture of monitoring and, and, and performing uh, on rules, which is a, a cost on the economy. I think the country as a whole should go far more for uh, enterprise development, small enterprise development, especially in our townships and around the township, peri-urban areas and so on. That, that would be far more creative, create jobs and so on. I think the codes culture has, has become too, too dominant in the thinking of, of industry and maybe even of government. Well, has it also opened up the possibility of these verification agencies also looking for loopholes to help those companies reach a higher notch on, on these BEE ratings? Uh, Dick, Dick Forsland uh, joining me on the line as well. He's an economist and uh, researcher at the Alternative Information and Development Center in Cape Town. Uh, Dick, what's your take on this? Well, I, I think uh, it is the, the BEE policy as it's uh, ruled out now. It's a it's a it's a policy mainly focusing on promoting a, a black business class, a black bourgeoisie, if you speak in the language of, of of the Communist Party. So I think this is bound to contradict the fight against inequality and the goal of creating decent jobs with living wages and so on. It's it's bound to fail because it's built on the partnerships with all white capital. As uh, shareholders, as, as suppliers, and you, you can't have you can't have such a 
partnership with with the the all the party the, the the corporate capital in South Africa and at the same time promote progressive economic policy it's impossible so and and we we see this junior senior partnership for example in the mining industry and it's a part of the labor broking problem where ANC leadership and, and the government cannot be moved by Kosato so I I, I think Kosato and, and progressive voices progressive forces have demanded for longer a, a shift from ANC to to from from right wing economic policy to to progressive policy but this is not supported by the big business and and big business now have become the partner of of uh, ANC business class so there will be no change so i think that the BE policy as it's as ruled out now i think it's destroying the ANC i think it erodes its mass support and the reason being that it is a, it's for the few and the, the more ANC becomes the party for a faction of the bourgeoisie, for, for the <clears throat> black business class, the more fallouts we will see with Kosaku. So I think I will go one step further than, than Professor Turok and say yeah. that, that it is contradicting uh, the, the aim of transforming the, the socio-economic structures in South Africa. It's, it's, in fact, it's, it's, it's radical on the surface, but, but, but it really, it, it conserves, it, it's conservative really when it comes to the basic patterns in the economy. I think we need, I, I, you spoke about acronyms, and I suggested the acronym Broad-Based Working Class Consumption, WBWWC. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a, a policy that would be supportive of, of the majority, would really be a broad-based black economic empowerment policy. And, of course, it would also create jobs because of an increase in domestic demands and, and businesses all around, the, all around the place. But, I mean, this policy now, because the partnership with all capital, apartheid capital, as it was in, in South Africa, it cannot, it cannot change the uh, economic structure in, in inequality. It is conserving it. Well, we're interested That's in you unpacking. I'm interested in you unpacking how double B W double C would work. But uh, let's open up the lines quickly. Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh nine. Continue sending your SMSs three four seven zero one. AM live at safm.co.za. Our email address. We've got Janus on the line from Cape Town. He says replace color B inclusive. Hi, Janus. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, during the apartheid, uh, you know, we had a, we had a system where whites were dominating the, the, the economical situation. But talking about the whites, they were actually African people who, uh, speaking Africans, they actually controlled, not all the whites. The other section, like English, uh, German, or whoever, they were second citizens, second whites in, the, uh, in our country. Uh, talking about the BEE, we're not going to make any progress until we've changed the, based on the color, uh, economical empowerment, we change to the South African, South African empowerment, where all races will take stand and, and, and by the support, supporting each other, change this country, because we can do it. No, don't put the color. Don't, BEE is based on the color. And we cannot have a Mr. Ramaphosa, who is billionaire, uh, uh, taking advantage because he's connected. And other Mr. Ramaphosa, who is living in Kayalicha, don't got any access to that because he is a black as well, but haven't got any privileges like others got. So BEE shouldn't be, we shouldn't race, we shouldn't put a race in front of, of empowerment. All we can do mm-hmm. is that all races can come together, help 
train each other, give the the the, 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 the necessary you know um, uh, involvement, but don't please don't put a race. Because it doesn't work. Janus, thanks for calling. And Mike in Newland says uh, BE is an insult to black people. Mike, hi. Hello, Justin. Yes, I must admit, and good morning, panel. And in my wildest dreams, having fought the good fight to get the ANC some power, that the ANC would then start treating black citizens of our country the same way they, did, they were treated under apartheid. It implies this, this uh, BE stuff, that it implies that black people are incapable of doing work and they need special privileges, which is absolute nonsense. Where the ANC has missed the whole boat, it all boils down to education. The blacks were treated appallingly under apartheid. As we all know, the education system has let them down under the ANC absolutely appallingly. Now we have this outrageous legislation which, as the previous caller pointed out, enriches a few people, uh, is open to corruption. I mean, the professor will know he's surrounded by corrupt MPs every day. You had to sanction one just the other day in Parliament for stealing 7 million rand. She still remains there to this day. So it's now open to abuse by the ANC. And what is it? What, you know the principal point you're addressing, and I think the panel is missing, and particularly the Minister uh, Davies, is that business, this is going to come as a bit of a shock to him, but it shouldn't. If business looks for the best man for the job, business wants to make a profit, a horrible word for some of the members of the ANC. And they do not care, as I do not. I run a business. I choose a man that can do, I don't care what calorie is, as long as he can do the job. And you know, to, to, to give beneficial treatment to a particular race group really is an absolute insult. And in conclusion, Dustin, if we look at America, you know, America is predominantly a white country and they chose a black president. Why did they do that? Because they saw him as the best man for the job. They didn't see the color issue. They chose who they believe can run their country best. And that's what we've got to do in South Africa. This, this BE is absolutely outrageous. And it's destroying the country. And as the yeah. one caller said, will destroy the AMC as Mike, well. Mike, thanks, thanks for your call. Thing. Mike and Newlands there. Minister Davies, your response? Well, first of all, let me just say to uh, come to the topic for the debate. I, I never really said, uh, and I think I want to make this clear, that BE is some magic bullet that on its own is going to address all the fundamental socioeconomic mm. imbalances in the economy. No, of course not. Uh, we've got to change the structural character of the economy. We've got to uh, focus on uh, the productive sectors, industrial policy, uh, within industrial policy, supporting local industry. Uh, then I agree with Professor Turok about enterprise development uh, where we talk about enterprise development we want people who are actually involved in producing something in the productive economy and not just in trade uh, so uh, there's quite a number of policies that are uh, addressing all of those matters and I think one of the challenges we've had is that BE as we saw it when we, when we took it over in uh, 2009 uh, wasn't adequately aligned with all of those and so what we've been doing over the last few years and this is the uh, content of the bill as well as of the, of the revisions in the codes is to try to bring about a greater alignment. Mm. So we want to make sure through the fronting that where somebody is in fact uh, involved in uh, some kind of a relationship in a big business where they are supposedly now uh, getting shares and they are supposedly now uh, in control of that business, that that actually happens, that the black people are not relegated to some kind of window dressing role in the company, they actually take charge of the company. There's far too many cases of the opposite. And then also 
also uh, in the codes, as I was trying to say, we want to emphasize those parts of the codes that require big businesses to relate to small businesses in the sort of way which big and small businesses relate to each other in Asia, where we have symbiotic relations, supplier development, those sorts of things. And then skills development, the training and skills development is fundamental in this economy, and we're saying you have to score sub-minimum in those areas. I think both uh, Janusz and Mike are coming with the usual old ideological uh, shibboleths that we've heard uh, time and time again. The fact of the matter is that in this country, uh, under apartheid, race was the category uh, which uh, led to discrimination and disadvantage of many, many black people. We can't pretend that the playing field was level. B is a matter of, uh, of equity, is a political imperative. But I've also argued it's an economic imperative. If we're only going to be drawing uh, the, uh, the skills and the leadership from a, a small proportion of our economy, uh, we're going to be finding that our economy is uh, that much less uh, robust, much less dynamic, than if we draw in those skills, capacities uh, from uh, the broader uh, 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 mass of our population. Well, what do you say to Dick Forslund, Minister, who says uh, we, we need a broad broader, and re, in the true sense of the word, broad-based working class consumption rather than uh, economic empowerment. Well, I would take an uh, issue with him about whether we need consumption to drive our economy. We need the productive sectors. The problem we've had in our economy is that where we were growing before the recession, we were being driven by consumption-orientated sectors, many of them uh, import-orientated and things like that. We need a productive sector growth in our economy with a big focus uh, on, uh, on manufacturing. But actually, the, the, the tweaks that we'd be making are to try to emphasize the broad-based character uh, of empowerment, to pull out those parts of it uh, which are more meaningful uh, to even to working-class people through the skills. Uh, you, if you don't score the sub-minimum on skills, you get a discount on your, uh, on your overall scorecard. Uh, that is uh, something of fundamental importance uh, to the working class. And the other part of it is uh, smaller enterprises in the productive economy uh, through uh, supplier development. Those are the things that we're emphasizing. So uh, I think what we're trying to do is without pretending uh, that BE is a magic bullet, BE is part of a toolbox uh, that uh, has to be aligned with many other policies which we've been trying to put further forward, the new growth path, the infrastructure program, the industrial policy, the skills development, all of it focused on employment uh, creation. Uh, this uh, BE, uh, we're now trying to align it into, into, into that area. And the next big project we're talking about for BE is the creation of black industrialists. We'll take more of your calls shortly on this question. Will the revised broad-based black economic empowerment codes address the fundamental issue of socioeconomic imbalances in the country? 089 We'll open up the lines again. SMS us 34701 AM live at safm.co.za our email address. But right now it's 8.30 time for your news headlines. Here's Babakshini Chetty. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thanks for that, Rowena. We've got another caller on the line, Emmanuel from Joburg, who's uh, supportive of the minister. Hi, Emmanuel. Good morning. I just, yeah, it's not the minister, it's the idea that he's putting forward. I think most people uh, I have heard in the, you know, people who are pulling from outside and the media when they talk about the negativity of uh, the BEE and, and, and the new revised one really forgets the, the historical context, two very important contexts. One context is the historical context, that this system has been built over more than 200 years of uh, one section empowering and excluding the majority of the people. Now, if we count, for instance, from 1805, the British colonial laws 
up to uh, 1994, more than 300 laws were formulated in order to exclude the majority from uh, making use of its resources, both in terms of manpower and, and land and, and capital. So that's a very, very important context. The second context is 1994, the political context, the constitutional dispensation that we have in this country was a dispensation which was a compromise. So uh, the the uh, the liberation that came was not a total liberation, but a liberation that kept still uh, the economic power within the past, those who had in the past. So it's against this context that one has to see that the movement of uh, this government to address this one was a positive move, given this context. Now the question is, like what the minister was saying, two things. One is the, the system is learning. By learning, uh, meaning that the BEE now is being revised in order to address some of the weak areas that was uh, really beleaguering the, the first exercise. The second point is the minister was saying it's not the only one that this government is doing. A number of issues, industrial policy is happening and uh, a number of social grants is happening. So people are forgetting all other things and they're focusing on that one. And now if we see on factual side, after 19... 19- 44, we have seen the number of people in the middle class, black middle class, increasing by more than uh, 4, 5 million. Now, this is making significant impact in the economic development. We know that the growth that was spared, for instance, between 2004 and 2008 was mainly because of an increasing class created here, and that was creating aggregate demand. So these are mm-hmm. a number of issues. And what I want to say to the minister is maybe, you know, uh, on top of what, of what he said, uh, can we see the, the, the broad revised uh, thing, really focus on what he said, the last point, the black industrialists. I think my point is we need to focus that kind of uh, intensive capital and support into targeted targeted kind of thing to, to make sure that we are making use of those capital investments on black people. Emmanuel, thanks for calling production. Thank you. Emmanuel in Johannesburg there. Well, let's uh, get back to our guest, as you heard, Minister Rob Davies joining us on the line. Also, Professor Ben Turok, economics professor and ANC member in Parliament, and Dick Forsland is an economist and researcher at the Alternative Information Development Centre in Cape Town. Uh, Dick, really, there's, there, there is quite a bit of criticism of, of, of broad-based black economic empowerment, but considering what Minister Davies has said, that there are a number of systems working. Emmanuel's mentioned it as well. It, shouldn't we take the whole system in, in, in account and not just BB, well, triple B, double E? Well, <clears throat> well, affirmative action is, is another case. You have to have affirmative action in society which, which has been uh, flawed by, by apartheid. But, I mean, the concentration, the, 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 the main core of, of, of this policy is to build a black business class. And it's to build this black business class in coalition with all white capital. And it is this coalition, this partnership, which is blocking any radical change of economic policy. <clears throat> because, because uh, well, it is a partnership, and, and in a partnership you have to agree. And, uh, and uh, corporations like Anglo-American, they don't want any shift in economic policy. So they want the government or sort of Kosato will come mm-hmm. no, nowhere this critique. And when it comes to fronting, for, yeah. when it comes to fronting, for example, of course it's bad that corporations cheat and lie, but mm-hmm. for the rural and working class communities, there's another type of fronting that is much more serious, and that is that communities against their will or without, without knowing it, front as a BEE beneficiary for the for two three individuals who profit from from their partnership with a foreign mining company. Jake, hold on, hold on there, Minister Davies. 
Well, I mean, let me let me say that uh, you know, yes, it is uh, about uh, supporting the deracialization of the economy, and that does mean that uh, some of the beneficiaries, maybe men, most many of the beneficiaries, are from uh, uh, what he calls the business class, the mm. bourgeoisie. But I think what we're trying to prioritize is uh, actually the productive sector bourgeoisie. We're trying to prioritize uh, with uh, the programs we're talking about a shift towards a, cons- a production-led uh, growth path. And that means that there's a whole lot of measures, localization, changes in tariff policies, uh, uh, the whole of the industrial policy framework. And that is uh, where we're moving. I think Emmanuel actually got it right. Uh, <coughs> that... Uh, we can't ignore the historical context. When we want to talk about uh, creating productive small businesses in South Africa, uh, there's a figure which uh, uh, shocks me very often when I, I quote it, that if there are seven, black bus- seven small businesses in existence today, one year from now only two of them will continue to be in existence. Uh, that tells us that starting and running a small business is very, very difficult. But in South Africa, the fact of the matter is it wasn't just that apartheid ignored black-owned small businesses. It actually uh, intervened to discourage them, to disadvantage them, to underdevelop them. And so we, we have to emphasize things like we emphasize things like incubation programs, skills development, relationships between big and small businesses. And all of that, I think, is part of an industrial policy. And we've seen that in BE, we haven't had enough of that. Uh, I, I agree with what somebody said that uh, uh, the verification industry, we've seen that it's been possible to go to a verification agency, get quite a high scorecard. Uh, we've even heard examples of you pay a bit more, you get a higher scorecard, things like that. So one of the things we're actually doing is to regulate the verification well, industry. Professor Turok? Yes, I just want to add, uh, I want to respond to Mike very mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, I'm not surrounded by corrupt MPs. Uh, corruption is a, an exception, and we deal with it through the ex- ethics committee. So I don't think it helps us to make broad generalizations that everybody's corrupt. Secondly, I understand fully that he wants to employ the person who can best do a particular job irrespective of color. I, I, I accept that. Nobody's asking him to, uh, to choose somebody who is not competent on the grounds of color. But nevertheless, what everybody is saying is that there is a historical context, and if he, uh, he, he can make his own choices and in, as an individual businessman, but as a nation, we have to take account of the historical context. But let me try and, 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 uh, and, say very positively that one hopes that this whole policy will focus on empowerment and not enrichment. It's the enrichment element of BEE and the way some people have abused it is what has given it a bad name. And I think Minister Davis and his colleagues must constantly reaffirm that it's about empowerment and not enrichment. I have before me a report on South Africa's asset managers, and there's a study of the degree in which uh, Africans have now entered the asset manager uh, system, namely the financial sector. And uh, clearly it is trying to push very hard that uh, Africans should become asset managers and get a larger share of the financial cake. Now, I suppose nobody can argue against that if if more and more people want to join the asset managers system, namely the financial system, uh, that's their constitutional right. But as a country, 
developing policy, it should be far more in the direction that Rob Davies is talking about than the accumulation of capital and enrichment. It's the enrichment which has given the whole BE thing a bad name. And and that's why people uh, like Dick is, is complaining about the black business class. Mm. As government, we must say, it's about empowerment, it's about doing the things that Rob Davis is advocating and not about getting a share of the cake. Well, how do we, how do we prevent come when people are become productive? How do we prevent things like this? Uh, this SMS comes in from T. Marule in Limpopo. He says, I signed an enterprise development agreement only to be used as a front and be dumped like a hot potato when done. Spiwa in KZN says, Lily White firms with few blacks in menial positions submit their level 8 triple B double E to these white auditing firms and it gets manipulated to level 3. Well, this is where Rob Davis must come in with regulations. And they must supervise fronting and all the rest. That's racketeering. Uh, and it, it, it comes into the area of fraud. Well, and I that is a criminal offense and must be dealt with. Well, as a, but as at policy level, at policy level, I think Rob is absolutely right. The productive thing, the interface between big business and small business. You know, I've been pushing the idea of beneficiation and supply chain mm-hmm. in mining. And this is exactly what we're trying to do. Look at the supply chain, see where small business can link with big business, see where they can produce good supply materials, uh, etc. That's where we're lacking, and that's where a lot more effort must go. Well, the problem. I, I would say that I would say that, that black economic empowerment must have, let us say, white economic disempowerment mm. as a crucial part. And that is where the, where they interface with big business, as the professor expressed it. That is where that becomes a, a problem. What has happened, what we have seen uh, since 1994, is that corporate power, which is, has been white in South Africa, which is white, corporate power, big corporate power, has become stronger and stronger in the country, with stagnant majority wages and with labor brokering and so on. And this is the effect of a partnership with big capital. How do you disempower whites? How would you implement this white economic disempowerment? Well, it, it must, it, the, the government should, should uh, uh, make inroads into the power of, of, the, of the corporate power. It's about capital controls. It is about sort of imposing really the, the, the labor laws that, that are there, but which are, which are not in, in internet, like minimum wage. It's about supporting the trade union struggling. We have the mine workers movement and the land, the, 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 the farm workers movement in Western Cape. It is all about black economic empowerment. But what we find is that this is condemned by, by the leading circles, and not only by, by business. It's also opposed by the government. Well, Mr. Minister Davies, I'm, I'm going to give you... black economic empowerment. Minister Davies, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to respond, but uh, Therong has called in. He, he says the same thing. The problem is with implementation, Therong. Well, question, uh, the Honorable Minister and Professor Turok. Um, yes, I mean, really, as a country... No doubt that um, whatever that they have identified as weaknesses and challenges in the document at the preceding summit, um, yes, they might have identified good things and weaknesses and all those things. But our problem as a country, I think we are good at doing that. And we are good workshoppers and, you know, summit hosters, etc. But, I mean, the challenge always has been the implementation when it comes to 
question of implementing. That's why I think we are lacking as a country. Not only with this uh, uh, triple P double E, because before it was triple P double E, it became something that was called black elite enrichment because it had to empower only about 2% of the black uh, majority. And then... Um, and it was changed again. So this issue has always been romanticized. I mean, it's amended how many times since 1994. In 1994, we had AA, which is Asmeris Action. And then all companies and big corporates, they had a target between 1994 to 1999 to make sure that each and every company in this country should comply with the AA, which is Asmeris Action. And then that was not done. That target was not reached, was not met, and then we did not get even the report. And then instead, we saw in 1996, the introduction of this uh, gear policy mm. that actually made all these problems. There is no way. There is no way. Even if, I mean, it's like shifting the goalpost. I mean, it's shifting the goalpost. When people right. are supposed mm-hmm. to score, you say, no, etc., uh, etc. Et you know, and every year we do the same. We go to strategic planning, we, we identify the same challenges, and then we come with good solutions. When we're supposed to implement, then it's not the case. I don't know what is the problem. The wrong intro, yeah. Thanks for your call. Minister Davies, uh, a lot for you to respond there. Start off by saying that uh, the, the the callers who, who talked about uh, various forms of fronting, uh, we we've taken the view. I mean, this is uh, as I said at the beginning. This is contained in the amendment bill. We've taken the view that fronting is something which is actually akin to fraud. You're presenting yourself. Why do you want a higher score? Because you want to present yourself to somebody to get some benefit by claiming to be something which you are not. And we know that there's far too much of this going on in this country. So it can take the form that you sign an enterprise development, you don't get anything. Uh, That you go to a verification agency, you get bumped up. And actually what we say now is we say we're going to, uh, we've introduced in a statutory definition of fronting in the bill. Uh, it's not uh, just the common law definition of fraud any longer. And we've appointed a commissioner. So anybody who believes that there's been fronting taking place can go to the commissioner. The commissioner can, can investigate. If you are found guilty eventually, if there's a criminal case, you can get uh, 10 years imprisonment and then also be excluded from uh, doing business with government for a period of 10 years. So it's a quite serious uh, response that we're taking uh, to that. Let me say on the other matters uh, <coughs> that... Uh, are we just sitting around and accepting corporate power as it is and just uh, allowing people to, to just uh, get a, a slice of the cake? Well, I think, uh, you know, perhaps quite a bit of BE has been like that, but we're not, we're not emphasizing that in the new directions we're moving in. Let's take uh, agriculture. On agriculture, uh, in fact, the response of government to the strikes was to introduce a minimum wage. That became hugely controversial in the agricultural sector, but we stuck with it. And we said that, look, agriculture can now try to reposition itself and government will support it. Raise your competitiveness, uh, reposition yourself, try to gain more of global value chains. Uh, we found uh, some very, very stark uh, examples of, uh, uh, of something like uh, 50% of the value chain of table grapes is captured outside of this country. Can we work on, on these kind of things? But if you accept some kind of partnership with, with labor, you position yourself around ethical trading, we'll work with you. But not if you want to con- continue uh, just to play, pay uh, uh, slave wages. In mining, 
The biggest challenge in mining, actually, is that uh, we've passed our commodity super cycle uh, last year sometime. Mineral prices, industrial mineral prices have, have been on a downslide uh, since last year. Ben Turok is absolutely right. What we need to do is we need to add value to our mineral products. We need to beneficiate. That's what it's about. That's what some of the debates about some of the pieces of legislation which are going through Parliament now, the Mineral Re- um, Petroleum Resources Development Act. Lots of, of noise about that, but it's basically to give us a tool that enables us to uh, begin to get more value in our own economies uh, from the resources that we have both in agriculture and in mining. That's what it's about. Uh, It's about industrializing on the basis of the wealth uh, that uh, nature has endowed us with. Stay with my guests. Uh, We're going to take a short break. Back after this. We'd like to ask you a question. What do the words to prosper mean to you? Take a moment to think about it. interesting, isn't it? We asked South Africans across the country what to prosper means to them. We had a lot of answers back, inspiring answers. Invariably, it was about something more than money, often to do with providing for loved ones, always. It was about wanting to create a better life. We understand. That's why at ABSA, the products we offer, the services we render, The loans we make and the advice we give are not just there to help you live. They're here for you to prosper. ABSA is a member of Barclays, an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Talking about broad-based black economic empowerment, we saw the revised codes launched this week. And has it really addressed the fundamental socio-economic imbalances? That's our question on the forum at 8 this morning. We've talked about the revised clo- uh, codes, the closing of the loopholes, uh, even an attempt to stop fronting now with the uh, BEE commissioner being impo- appointed, and alternative strategies uh, that could be implemented as well. Dick Forsland proposing uh, one which is he's calling the uh, white economic disempowerment and, and broad-based uh, what, did, what did you call it? Broad-based working class consumption, double B, W, double C. Uh, perhaps it's time for us to talk about whether, whether it's uh, time for us to look at a sunset clause. Is there a possibility on the horizon for us to look beyond uh, racial categories for, for economic empowerment in South Africa? Let's, let's start with you, Minister Davies. Summit itself... Uh uh, President Zuma didn't exactly announce a sunset, but uh, he did say that uh, we're approaching the 20th uh, anniversary of our liberation. And if we still need to talk this way in the 30th, uh, we won't have done our work. So uh, I think there is a, a, a suggestion. This is not an eternal policy. Uh, this is a policy that is correcting uh, imbalances of the past and uh, restructuring our society uh, to uh, be a, a non-racial society, a society in which uh, uh, your race doesn't count. But we do live in a society, just to reiterate, mm-hmm. we live in a society where uh, people's life chances were sharply determined under apartheid, not just in terms of, uh, of, of direct laws, but in terms of access to resources, access to capacity, access to education, all sorts of things were determined by how you were classified on a racial basis. And we have not yet uh, dealt with uh, those inequalities arising from that at this point in time. Uh, the president gave us a, a, a time frame to accelerate the work and concluded, uh, he said, uh, by the 30th uh, anniversary of our liberation, we should have made uh, a, a substantial 
real uh, dent uh, in these inequalities. Well, I hope we do. Well, the, the economy is still showing large inequalities. Ownership of assets uh, still low amongst black people. Uh, let's go to the lines. Uh, Anne is our last caller on this. Uh, she calls in from Lukwatini. Hi, Anne. Good morning, yes. My little voice amongst all these high-powered wonderful panel that you have this morning, but I'm still adding it. And the two things I am saying is that um, secondary industry should be developed much more here in South Africa and give it into the hands of our African people. I, I, I don't like the idea of talking about disempowerment, no matter what color people are. Let's rather talk about empowering more and giving our secondary industry development that should be much more powerful here in South Africa than it is. And secondly, you know, the government and any other people in, 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 in high-powered areas should be asking, especially the mining sector and all, I think all areas, for higher wages. You know, people shouldn't have to go and strike in order to be given their, their proper wage. But if we don't enlarge the wages of our working people, that broad-based um, um, uh, issues that you're talking about will never mm. get off the ground. Thank you so much and congratulations on your wonderful approach to our program. And thanks for calling and appreciate that. Uh, Professor Truck, perhaps I can, I, I can ask you to, to deal with Anne's point here and also this question of, of empowering women in South Africa, which I think we should talk about when, when Anne calls in on this. Yes. I, I too don't like the word disempowerment. But I think there is a question of monopolization, and we do have competition policy, and the competition policy is designed precisely to uh, tackle monopoly control. Now, coming back to the report on the, on the asset managers, there is a sign that in the financial sector there's in fact a heavy control by a small group of people which amounts to a kind of monopoly of the financial sector, and uh, th there should be some measures to broaden out uh, that whole area. Uh, so, yes, I agree, disempowerment is maybe not a good term. Uh, what we need is a tackling competition policy, which is precisely what uh, the Competition Commission does. But I want to say quite firmly that I like people who say, let's try and get above the racial uh, divides that we have, and work towards a non-racial future. I think that's a very good idea and strong. However, it must always be understood that you can't move to a non-racial future in a country which has the background that we have, and therefore it requires remedial action. The same applies to women. I mean, women are disadvantaged and have been all along, and we're not going to have equality between men and women unless there are positive measures which are taken to enfranchise, you know, in terms of economic terms, mm. uh, women and, and promote them. This does require affirmative action. So let's need, we need a balanced view. We want a non-racial future. Let's be absolutely clear about that. But we need to affirm various sectors of our society in order to get to a non-racial future. It will not happen automatically as a result of free market policies, laissez-faire and the rest. Let's give our guests a chance to wrap up. Uh, I'll start with you, Dick Forsland, uh, economist and researcher yeah, uh, at the Alternative Information and Development Centre in Cape Town. Dick, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah I think I, I'm sorry, but I think we have to call a spade a spade, uh, a spade for a spade. It, it, we have to disempower Anglo-American platinum, for example, now when they are trying to retrench is it 2,500 or 3,000 workers? 
which will drastically disempower these workers and their families economically. The same goes for the high, uh, uh, big uh, building in, in industry, for the, mono, the monopoly in the building industry sector. We have to dis- disempower that. I mean, black economic empowerment should, in my view, should be about workers. But when will we see a scorecards from the government on wages in the company? Now this policy is a, a, has become a policy to log into super exploitation. It's built on a coalition with all the party capital, which is staying intact with all its policy, and therefore it's basically conservative from, when it comes from a majority point of view. True, it, it, it contributes to the racialized capitalism, but it makes capitalists stronger. Corporate is stronger today than it was 20 years ago. Thanks for joining us. Professor Ben Turok also joining me on the panel, economics professor and ANC member of parliament. Minister Davies, I'm going to give you the last word. Well, I uh, want to just argue that the, uh, the, the, the range of policies that we follow in is not about just uh, reinforcing the uh, existing patterns of corporate power in South Africa. It is about bringing changes. It's about bringing changes in favor of the productive sector and particularly manufacturing in the first instance. And secondly, about bringing about a different kind of relationship between big and small business. We don't have the kind of relationship between big and small business you have in Asia, for example. Uh, and that's what uh, we're trying to, to, to bring about. So I think it's, uh, it's not directly uh, talking about the relationship between uh, wages and profits. Uh, that is dealt with in collective bargaining in this country. Uh, but uh, I would argue that it's not a, either uh, about simply reproducing corporate power as it is. It's about bringing about changes that support the productive activities of, of our country. And uh, in particular, the next big project is about using BE to promote black industrial. This is uh, the challenge that we've set ourselves. Minister Davies, thanks for joining us. And to all my guests, I appreciate your involvement on the panel this morning. Will the revised broad-based black economic codes address the fundamental socioeconomic imbalances? You can continue the conversation on Twitter, AMLiveSAFM. And from myself, Darshan Midley, thank you very much for joining us. On the team, Tracy Boomgaard, Misho Shandlale, Nswaki Mu, and Kwenzekile Ntlati, senior producers, Lungilo Mabaso and Tlengiwa Mabaso, and uh, technical producer is Intercourse. Forum producer Ronald Piri and Jake Mokomo, chief producer Buzile Koto, executive producers Busi Chane and Aubrey Sechia. Vibakshini Chetty has your 9 o'clock news after this.